So anyways, I was just saying, like, you know, I mean, why with this, like, why can't we just be inspired that the private sector, Justin, is taking the burden off us, the taxpayers, and like sending two yeah. awesome guys, Sir Richard Bronson and Jeffrey Bezos off to space. We don't have no, to the pay suburb, for it. The suburbs of space. The suburbs, the suburbs of space. Of, yeah, they're not quite going. They're not, well, they're not why, orbiting. Why don't you enlighten us a little bit as to like what like they actually did in the 1950s? It might have been a little more impressive. Uh, yeah, well, 1961, Yuri, this man right here, was the first person to do, he did an hour and 45 minutes of orbit. Uh, and that was in 1961. That's uh, eight years before oh, we, yeah. we went to the moon. Uh, but before that, I mean, if you... Let's just do a well, real quick rundown. Hold on. What are, you, what are you? What are you? What are you? A Russian propagandist? Right. <laughs> Let's just do like what's the what's the quick rundown? They were the first uh, craft in space, the first satellite in space, the first animal in space, the first man in space, the first woman in space, the first. You know, I mean, like I love that we were the first to the moon, though. <laughs> like after after like they'd pretty much get like why like they did all this stuff like they figured out what they needed to figure out. <laughs> Yeah, and like we were just like arbitrarily, man. We're gonna land someone on that thing, um, you know. But we did that. But Bezos today uh, said, like you said, with uh, with Jim, we don't know how to say his last name. His dumb little these private people are gonna keep the burden off the taxpayer. Uh, check out the the little interview that they did after they landed, and Jeff literally thanks every Amazon employee and Amazon customer, and then he goes, "Cause you guys paid for this." You guys paid for this, right? Yeah, isn't that yeah, awesome? So yeah. Taking the burden off the taxpayer. <laughs> taking the burden off the taxpayer. You know, that's what it's all about, man. It's just, I, now I can be inspired by this. I was worried that, like, maybe we're going to have to pay for this. But now that I know that, that the taxpayer's not on the hook, we got Sir Richard Branson and Jeff paying the way, you know, maybe we can be inspired a little bit. But um, anyways, let's turn the page real quick to Major League Baseball, baby, all right? And uh, – you know, of course, I want to pull up something real quick from none other than the great. Uh, hold on, why don't you go ahead, Justin, while I get this up here? Uh, I was, I was, yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been crazy. Uh, the outpouring of you know uh, certain player support, the Gurials, uh, our oldest Chapman. Um, you know, there was uh, two different all-stars wrote uh, SOS Cuba on their hats at the all-star game, trying to bring awareness, you know, bring awareness. Uh, just, just bring you gotta, awareness, you know, you that's gotta bring thing. awareness. It's like the whole, what's amazing is like protests are supposed to be like subvert, you know, the idea that like, yo, you're taking on power, you're challenging power when like these protests are literally like you are currying favor with the most powerful people in the most powerful corridors of power in the most powerful empire in the world. And it's like yeah. they're, out, they're acting like that somehow you're the one that like is being, you know, oppressed and whatnot. Like, I mean, you're the one that's, you know, it's not the people um, stuck in Venezuela under sanctions, right? It's not the people stuck in Cuba under sanctions. Um, and you act, and this whole narrative too, this like this campaign to dismiss the blockade and sanctions as just quote an excuse. It's just an excuse yeah. for like the suffering of socialism. All right. I mean, they got yeah. They have so many, and they have so many excuses. I mean, I there was a a wave like like when this first started, and like the the serious people, blue check mark, you know, pundits got involved. You know, they they knew that the blockade would come up. They knew all this stuff, so they had they had all these responses ready. And the one that they went to the most, uh, 
was can't blame this on the embargo, not the vaccines, because, you know, medical supply companies are not barred from an embargo. And like, like the literally like mic drop, like that's what they thought that this moment was. But at the same time, like I, I replied to a couple of them with this. I mean, you don't get replies back when you go after people on Twitter, like especially that, that blue checkmark serious person category of, of people. But like I, I wrote back a couple of times that like, Yes, sending medical supplies to Cuba, even though there's an embargo, is perfectly legal. Just like you, serious person, blue check mark, blowing the whistle on your employer is also legal. So what stops you from doing that? And the answer is repercussions from that. Your repercussions, there are repercussions from that. It, it, medical, medical industry is not barred from sending anything to Cuba during this embargo, and it's always been that way, but yet they don't do it. There's a reason they don't do it. And there will be repercussion, the same reason that people don't whistleblow on their employer. You know what I mean? Or like not yeah. nearly frequently enough. Like, but that excuse was just parroted constantly. Like it's not about the embargo because this tiny little window of a point they can make that's easily, easily destroyed. Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at this real quick. Uh, your favorite a politician, U.S. politician, of course, Tom Cotton, Justin. Ooh, I know you uh, you, and Tom, you and Tom Cotton in Arkansas. Have we go way back. A yeah, friend of, of the show, of, Tom Cotton. Right. Patriot spirits here, right? Uh, condemns MLB <laughs> silence on Cuba protests after strong feelings on Georgia voting law. I love like, like how these like Newsweek like uh, ad like whatever some uh, for some reason is showing me a bunch of Jaguar players taking a knee in London in 2017 now. Yeah. Um, and, and talking about Trump's criticism, interesting. But yeah, you know, anyways, we wade through it. All right. So Tom Cotton is furious right now about the hypocrisy of MLB silence on SOS Cuba right now. A few players have stuck their neck out there, and you know he's really stood up for the heroic Aroldis Chapman, who's you know blown more saves and. You know, self-destructed more this year than, uh, you know, maybe not Mark Wohlers or John Rock here back in the day, but, you know, he's getting there. He's getting there. And nonetheless, uh, he, you know, Cotton tweets out, MLB had strong feelings about ballot drop boxes in Georgia, but they're silent as Cuba's murderous regime cracks down on protesters. But it's funny, Justin, I don't hear Tom Cotton like being worried about the way in which uh, the Colombian regime cracks down on protesters. That, that's uh, evidently yeah. awesome. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's evidently awesome when you have uh, other regimes, you know, like what that are U.S. aligned, like Honduras beating the shit out of, you know, anybody just trying to basically live a yeah. normal life or, or demand, demand, no, demand the basic necessities that have been completely shut off to them. Uh, but there's like neoliberal regime of Juan Orlando Hernandez has been in place since 2009. I don't see any problem with that. Don't see any issue with like, of course, Israel. I mean, Tom Cotton literally is like Israel is just one giant wet dream for Tom Cotton. It's just like yeah. when he thinks of Israel, he has feelings of he has erect feelings. We'll put it that way. Yes. Uh, yeah. He he lo he he feels like an erect, strong. You know, yeah. Yeah. He has human. stiff feelings about Israel. Well, um, yeah, it, it, so, yeah. Yeah. So. Or or the Biden regime here, or any U.S. regime in hey, hey, hey. with what hey, our hey, hey. with what our police do. Don't say regime, all right? That that is reserved that, for that's reserved for the mullahs. Yeah, um, you know that, and and how our police treat protesters here. So again, like the the juxtaposition of what was happening in Cuba with like the hundred of people. I love the hundred of people because there were not many. 
um, with all of the protesters in California, with all the protesters and like the police violence that has clearly been recorded and just been absolutely silenced. Uh, but yeah, we gave more, more press to 100 people. Um, yeah. 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 It's, well, it's great. But yeah, baseball needs to do more. Yeah, you're right. You need to do more and whatever. I mean, I'm actually totally cool with baseball doing nothing when it comes to this. Right. I mean, like yeah. do nothing if, uh, if harm is what you do. Right. So, uh, let's sit down a little bit in the Newsweek article here that's just a bastion of great ideas and reporting here. Uh, during this year's All-Star Game, which took place in Denver on Tuesday, Cuban players Araldis Chapman and Adoles, uh, Adoles Garcia wore hats reading SOS Cuba in Patria y Vida, a phrase that translates uh, uh, Patria, the Patria uh, y Vida, a phrase that translates as homeland in life. Cuban revolutionary leader Fidel Castro was known to use what is now the country's national motto, Patria o Muerta, you know, homeland or death. Homeland or death. Uh, I also heard uh, from a wonderful uh, Cuban protester back in May outside the Cuba-Venezuela game in uh, Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, I believe, that uh, that's so, like, that's not, like, positive. Castro just talks about death. We want to talk about life. And, you know, yeah. we're about life here in Miami and like South Florida. We just we're, we're, we're just so life loving and affirming down here in Miami. Like, you know, we support terrorists like Felix Rodriguez and, you know, other like people that straight up. Um, I think literally the Frankensteins, uh, the, the, the actual existing Frankenstein of the world might be this guy here, Justin. Uh, I'm going to give you a minute. Why don't you just riff a little bit more on? Right. Uh, yeah, maybe, I'm going to go ahead and. Baseball or the Olympics, whatever's on your mind real quick. And I'm going to pull up something I think you'll enjoy seeing. A literal Frankenstein fighter for the empire. So I got something for you. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm going to go to the comments really quick. Didn't Fidel almost play pro baseball in the U.S.? That's actually uh, not quite there. I mean, even even good leaders that I fully absolutely support still have a little bit of, of myth mixed in there. Um, he loved baseball. I mean, baseball is the national sport of Cuba. And by Basketball. all means, he was a hooper. Yeah, but by all means, uh, yeah, he he was not he was not at the level to to, to come play pro ball. But um, you know that my support of him still remains. Anyway, um, yeah, Olympics cancel that shit. I don't know. I don't know why we're we still doing this. Like, why is this still a thing? Well, I mean, if you can't, <laughs> you know even, my feelings. <laughs> if you can't, if you can't even have fans like at the Olympics, I, I mean, like what? Then listen, if you can't have fans, then how are they going to get into Olympic Village, where the only place they can eat is McDonald's, because that's who's paid to be inside the Olympic Village? And how are you going to make money? Not to mention, it doesn't even sound like fun. The way, like the way it's being set up, it's like all the athletes are just like literally being like held on like a. It, it sounds like a pretty miserable like experience, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. the. The, the thing is, is that I don't think it's that much different than I think like what's what we're doing here is we're like drawing light on what already sucks, you know, but like we have a reason now, like I feel like they could have done they could have done stories about like the living conditions, like, you know, what these athletes actually get versus, you know, the time, money, effort they've put into it. You know, and where does the money on the Olympics go? It's not in where these athletes stay. It's not in how these athletes are, you know uh treated or what they're or what they're given uh they're still given fast food inside you know what i mean like it it is it's not a paradise uh but at the same time i think this this gives them they need a story right so yeah. like they're focusing on on how bad it is or it's like when they did that same thing when when they were in russia 
right? When the Olympics were in Russia and they, they basically had to focus on how shitty everything was. Yeah, but yeah. Like you could do this every Olympics. You just, you, you're just you no, televisioning in when you want it to I'm be like- I'm sorry, the Sochi Olympics are probably one of the coolest, actually. I mean, Sochi's a pretty yeah. cool spot. And uh, well, it's other than the fact that it was like, out of all the spots that, oh, what's up, brother? Doing all right, man. Fear the deer, indeed. Fear the deer tonight. I think they're gonna bring it home. Uh, those cardboard beds. Yeah, you saw that. Did the uh, who was it? The uh, the, gym the gymnast from Ireland just up like down on him. He's like, yup, they work. You know, like because the idea is like they, they don't want anybody having sex or having fun, right? That's like the whole idea. It's like not the. I mean, we know what happened to Kerry Richardson. I really think the International Olympic Committee. It's just their job is like bring you in there to perform athletically and just go back to bed and shut up. All right. Yeah. Like, shut up. We have a production to put on. Like, like what? You want to like enjoy your you're stressed out. You took a substance. Get out of here. You're banned for life. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you smoked the joint. You took any. I mean, what? Just get out. Like you. I. And then meanwhile, they're just sitting there swimming in cash. Right. So yep. there we go. I mean, that's just kind of the way it rolls. I'm sharing on my stream if you're wondering why I have like this actual Frankenstein monster um, in front of you here. This guy, just to let you know, like kind of like what great people these uh, these wonderful like, you know, SOS Cuba people are and the people that are making And I'm not to say I'm not saying there's not issues, but the idea that this is the issues in Cuba are not the result of the embargo. I'm sorry. Take the embargo. If you're saying that I'm using that as an excuse, take lift the blockade. I won't have that excuse anymore, and then we'll see yep. what happens, right? Because there's so yep. many business people. I just heard, was talking to Danny Haifong about this like not too long ago, and he was saying how like, uh, like yeah, they're just not, it's just, just disgusting, man. Like, uh, like, and this is something I don't think Max would mind. Max Blumenthal and I were texting earlier, and he was said something like just literally, uh, just talking about how disgusting these these fuckers are. Because around the world in all my travels, I've met no worse people than the right wing Dursanos, except for maybe Israelis, right? Um, like, yeah. He said, you know, the right wingers we met in Korea were at least like polite and somewhat conscientious. I mean, like, they suck, right? But like, they at least, like, these guys are like, they're right wingers, no, no love. But I'm just saying, there's like, there's levels of like, you know, just even just dealing with people on a personal level. And these people in South Florida are, I mean, the, firsthand from the outside the Venezuelan embassy, these are many of the same cast of characters. I mean, these people are racist to the core, homophobic to their 100%. core. Like, they're the people whose like parents and grandparents like owned plantations, had like were big landowners, were uh, had were henchmen in the Batista regime. Well, um, they're or if they weren't, they're sick of fans, the power, and they like they want to curry favor with those types. So the guy you're yeah. seeing on your screen right here. Yo, what's up, Jeffrey? How you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, man. I, you know, that's probably not a bad assumption, but uh, we proved you wrong tonight. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I got you. Yeah, of course, deer not fucking dead. We're not saying deer or anything, D-E-A-R. We got D-E-R. So, I got you there. But, um, yeah, it's just it's just like the worst people. I mean, like, you know, we call it Escualitos, the, the Venezuelans. Like, uh, you know, shout mm -hmm. out to Maglio Ordonez, though. We need to get on the show, by the way. Oh, I got to talk to Venezuelan people. Um, I think we might be able to make that work at some point. But uh, I will. Uh, uh, if we you... got I was gonna say if you if you follow if you follow her on Twitter, uh, Mrs. Socialista at Mrs. Underscore Socialista, uh, she's done a really good uh, job throughout this whole thing. Um, basically, going through the Twitter history of all of the uh, 
Cuban exiles in Miami that are yeah. screaming online and just posting all of the screenshots of the amount of times that they've just used, you know, like the N word or, and just posting these threads. And yeah, like it is, I mean, they are the most racist, vile people. And like, these are the voices, Yo. these are the people just start, like that started the trend of the SOS Cuba. Yeah, and I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine with essentializing these people. If anybody wants to come out and say some bullshit, man, if you're a right winger, I'm sorry. All right, in full admission, it is complicated and it sucks that like, if you're caught up in a situation where you live and things are like, yeah, and, and like because of the blockade and because, um, you know, the, 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 the conditions, material conditions of this world and living under the empire that like, you know, there are real grievances and there's like things that are that, that, that struggles that people deal with that like that I don't personally have to deal with. All right. Full disclosure. But this is the problem, though. If we're involved in a struggle and you can't understand that, like by doing this course of action, like you either are a complete buffoon and you're just like suckered in by like these like hashtags and like, you know, these like vague abstract notions of freedom and just wanting to like be nice to each other and come together. Or you're cynically doing this shit, knowing that like you can, you know, tar and feather the people that criticize you for like, quote, not being a white person criticizing a Cuban or a Venezuelan. Mm -hmm. Or you can like, you know, uh, you know, bad faith, like throw these different attacks back um, about like ask a Venezuelan or ask a Cuban or whatever. When the reality is you damn well know what you support is U.S. regime change. You literally want like the United States empire to go in there and implement neoliberal shock doctrine economics on your damn country and let you all be the subcontractors of it. So no, I don't feel any damn sympathy. Right. That's where I, that's where I stand on this. Right. So Absolutely. I mean, just straight up. So where I live, Justin, I mean, you know, I, it's crazy. I mean, at least where I'm from in Jacksonville, we don't get the worst of it being in North Florida, but where I live now and up in North Jersey, it's the second largest, concentration of Cuban exiles, right, in Hudson County. And uh, there was uh, Bob Menendez, the great Senator Bob Menendez. And by great, I mean fucking terrible, uh, from uh, Jersey, who's like a mob boss, basically. Come ahead, sue me, sue me, Bob. Yeah, I called you a mob boss. Hiding out in the Dominican Republic, you know, paying people off to make sure to cover up your, uh, pedo you know, I don't know, but your underage uh, sexual escapades, at least. Um, that you somehow, and what's worse is his son is now trying to run for mayor of Jersey City. I hear now there's, uh, so we got another Menendez coming. But look at this, Justin. I want to just look at this headline ABC 7 News New York last week. Anthony Johnson, this was like just literally a teleprompter script, you know, for a news segment. <laughs> you would know yeah. where they do this, just throw the prompter, like, no, uh, you know, script up there as an article on their website. That's what this is. Cubans in New Jersey protest in support of reform back home. Like, love this word, reform. Like, citations needed, uh, Nima Shirazi, Adam Johnson, antenna should be up here. Don't you just love the way the empire, like, this is just, like, local news, yeah. New York City, but, like, protest in support of reform. Like, if what you say right that... Before the what, what was well, it before the Soviet Union fell? What was it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah reform. reform. But, like, reform. It, it, if the government is so evil... Like, how can it be reformed? It can't yeah, be exactly. reformed. You're, you're admitting, like, don't you don't support reform. You support overthrowing the government. Mm -hmm. But why is it that you don't want to come out and say it? Oh, it doesn't sound good in media. So let's, like, obfuscate things. So let's get into it. Union City, New Jersey, just outside of Jersey City. 
in Hoboken and right across the Hudson River from Manhattan. But anyways, protesters in Cuba, protesters in Cuba are getting support from their brethren living in the U.S., including places in New Jersey and Miami. The voices of change are ringing loud and clear. Hundreds gather on the streets of North Bergen and West New York to show their support for reform in Cuba. Here's the quote gem of them all right here. People should be free no matter what it takes, protester Abilio Preto said. Call the government, call Biden. They should call be Biden. on top of this no matter what. They should be on top of this no matter what. So I know that y'all in the comments are going to, in the chat here, are going to love this. Um, go ahead and throw that in there. But yeah, look at that here. Boom, we'll leave that up there here. Call, just call Joe. Just call Biden, man. Just call him. Get him up. Take care of some business. Fix the issues. You know, restore restore capitalism. Bring Valencio Batista out of the out of the ground. Resuscitate him, Ted Williams style, or at least the way Ted Williams' son would like his late father to one day be resuscitated into a yeah. heaven resuscitated. Uh, who's he's cryogenically frozen, by the way. The former. Uh, all-time, you know, greatest hitter in Major League Baseball in a in a in a freezer in Arizona. Yeah. So, anyways, but you know your uh, pro. Yeah. Go ahead, Justin. Uh, it's the freedom that's like that word again. Freedom. What are these? Like, I don't, I don't understand what the freedom is. It's like the it. It's the most common thing that I retweeted back to all these bots out there. Where it's just like asking the question, what are what are these human rights that are being violated? The f- fucking name one. Name them. But I, I haven't got a single response. Name one. What are these freedoms? Like, I don't understand. Like, that Wait, makes no sense. You're <laughs> taking away my freedom to be an entrepreneur, Justin. I, yeah, take, I, I'm taking away your freedom to exploit it. I, yeah. I, I want to go out there and run my multi-level marketing scheme. And look, I have a great program, Justin. We're all going to invest in a resort vacation, like, you know, I sort of like pool our funds. And it's going to be in Cabo, one in Cabo. We're going to get a timeshare Cabo and, and then one in Cancun, right? And then we're going to get more and more people. And the more people we get, the bigger payouts we all get. Right. But you got to get it right now. So Jeffrey, Neil, all y'all hop in because this is the Red Spin Sports MSM style tonight. And we are going to pile it in. We're going to pool our money together. Right. And then we're going to make bank and we're going to live that good life. Right. And it's like if you are denying me the right to run my my awesome trip vacation club that like is going to like let me like zip line like while I'm windsurfing, like, you know, and Mike's hanging yeah. out on the beach drinking out of a pineapple. While some, you know, indigenous guys back there are like, you know, scrubbing off like barf some frat kid just threw up, uh, you know, from spring break. Uh, you are taking away my freedom, right? Like, don't you know, bother me with like what these like hotel workers are going through. Like what like these cab drivers or like what these yeah. like, you know, sex workers or other people have to do these things to create this like lovely experience, right? This sort of neo-colonial experience where I get to go with my U.S. passport and safely traverse the Caribbean and recreate a colonial experience with the same power dynamics, especially after I just, my wife just divorced me and I want to like recreate the power dynamics, make me feel comfortable. No, sorry, I'll break character. Yeah. But that is, that is what, like, that's the essence of what these people are talking about with their freedom. Their freedom is the right to like go and like do whatever crazy cockamamie like type scheme their free mind could cook up 
and define that as like some essential definition of freedom. But freedom is the most ambiguously defined word in the English mm -hmm. language. The most ambiguously defined word of the English language. Straight up. So I don't know, man. Like that's what it is. So anyways, let me run through this. I want to make one more point here. Look at this. If you have the Republican GOP candidate that's about to get waxed in New Jersey in 2021 out there, like locking arms with you protesting, like you might be protesting for something that's not really challenging power. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you if you have the mayor, the Cuban exile mayors of these different little towns in North Jersey, you know, showing up there like and just enthusiastically, you know, uh, supporting you, you might not be on any kind of progressive cutting edge support for human rights. So when you look yeah. at it here, while some argue that GOP is trying to thwart voting rights in this country, what's this? That's Jack uh, Chatterelli. Yeah. Chetarelli yeah. uh, uh, said uh, he supports the right to vote for all, especially those in Cuba. That's inspiring, Jack. You know, you could go work on some voting rights, sort of like work for maybe people in Georgia, maybe start with that after you lose in you know, the New Jersey gubernatorial race this November, like wasting your time trying to pump up some name recognition, I guess. First thing he goes, I'd like to see is for us to provide some medicine and food. Well, why can't you do that? For the people of Venezuela, why are there people in Colombia, U.S. client state, suffering? Honduras, a U.S. client state in abject poverty. Yeah. African client states with people living in abject poverty. Yeah, they don't. They don't care, man. This has been the project. They they want this. They they've wanted this island forever. Yeah. Yeah. So as we well, go, they want it all. They want it all eventually. <laughs> like yeah, the whole so, damn thing. If this is the kind of guy they're locking arms with. What I mentioned earlier, I, I need to make sure I explain this before we move on and uh, just kind of, you know, maybe actually talk a little bit of sports, uh, you know, beyond all this insanity too. But uh, is this guy Luis Posada Carrillas? All right. This guy is really fascinating to me because he helped blow up uh, a Cuban past uh, civilian yeah. plane in 1976. You know, just a freedom fighter, you know? He's just fighting for freedom, right? For freedom. He literally blew up a plane full of, like, human beings, children, women, I mean, people of all ages, genders, yep. what, I mean, the whole nine yards. And now he's just rolling around here, like, looking like the straight-up reincarnated, like, corpse of Frankenstein animated to life in South Florida. And yet, like, he's, like, walking around with, like, bodyguards everywhere he goes, of course, like, holding his fist up. Like, he's always trying to fight. Like, he's ready to sit there and dip, hop in the ring with Fidel. Mano y mano, you know? I mean, just look at this fucker. Like, this is the guy that, like, is the face of the Cuban exile community raising hell right now um, in, in South Florida and, and using Stooges, unfortunately, in North Jersey. I mean... It's just dusting. And it's like but, there are a lot of working class people get caught up in this, man. Like, unfortunately, that, that one like vampire bat Coke nostril is just. Let's see. Anyway. Which, one, which one? This one? or No. Like, yeah. Like like that one nostril. Oh, that's just, oh yeah. It's just that's just collapsed from Coke damage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's awesome, man. <laughs> like th that's what happens when the cartilage. I mean, not that I know.
but that's what happens when the cartilage, uh, yeah, breakdown of uh, uh, decades of coke abuse. Anyway, and I'm sure that sure guy's cool. <laughs> and since we're having fun, let's keep the fun rolling with uh, Justin's favorite baseball player here. Oh God! You want to you want to give us your take on Chicago Cubs outfielder Jock Peterson and like his politics? You know, you know uh, he's got some bad ones, as you can see there, uh, playing for the uh, playing for the national team. Uh, you know, you know, baseball is just such a like an indigenous sport in, in historic Palestine. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, he got traded to the Braves, and uh, oh, that's right, that's right. I, I, he's a he's a he's a Brave now, uh, as the Cubs just fire sale their entire team, which is just beautiful to see. Um, I still predict five more Cubs will be gone by the trade deadline. So there you go. I mean, yes, so. yeah. All their all their all their good players are going to be free agents, and all of their good players will be traded. They're below five hundred. Yeah. On, Clearing the way for the Cincinnati Reds to make their run, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, um, uh, yeah, no, it's about the Cuban baseball thing, too. It's like all these, like, resurgent lists are coming up. They're like, these are the top 10 Cuban baseball players in history. And, like, you're watching, like, this resurgence of all of this weird, weird propaganda press. But my favorite is they're all, like, Rafael Palmero is, like, one of the best. And you're like, the guy who cheated? The guy literally cheated like his entire life. And then they're like, yeah, no, no, but there's other great players on this that without t- like Jose Canseco. Yeah. But like, like, you guys aren't doing yourselves any favors. <laughs> like well, all the players you're naming. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They come here. Um, you know, let's be honest. Cuba's best baseball player. We never saw. So Cuba's best baseball players. We don't see. I still think there's a lot of people who aren't willing to do the exile thing. They're just yeah. not willing to. There's a lot of people that aren't willing to do it like Yasiel Puig went through or, you know, and and they do. They make that decision at 18. Right. Yeah. You know, no, you're right. It, you're right. It, so I, I still think when it comes to the greatest Cuban baseball players for, for how much, you know, abilities on that island and how much that island, you know, baseball is their pastime you know i i don't think you know we've seen the best that cuba has to offer in the world of baseball for that reason of you know and if and if listeners don't know if you want to play in the u.s if you want to come to the mlb you're not going to go back like that's the thing and that's not that's not so much cuba's rule as ours yeah, we have so, a blockade, right? And like so, the reality is, if you're going to go serve as a propaganda pawn, like for a country that's literally cutting off and blockading your own country, it's just kind of unfortunately the geopolitical reality that we're living under right now. Um, yep. And you know, as it comes down, like I don't, you know, I don't know if y'all you remember this, but do you remember what happened when, uh, um. Uh, you know, Maglio came up the bat. I think it was in Miami here back in like the, the hold on, the World Baseball Classic. This would have been in uh, 2009. Are you familiar with this? Mm-hmm. Just to say, you want to did some more since we're on the topic of like these, you know, you know, Escolitos and these other just just low lives, low life scum here. Um, check out the wonderful reception from his countrymen here, and uh, it, it, you know, former, uh, you know. Joe Robbie Stadium or whatever it was called by the time they well it's Hard Rock Stadium now it's just been renovated and not not to be a baseball 
stadium anymore. But check this out. Here comes Maglio to bat. Let's hear how his countrymen receive him here. These lovely exiles. You're going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> you should you should check out his uh Wikipedia page, the Maglio Ordonez political views section of the Wikipedia page is pretty yeah. laughable. Pretty laughable. Yeah, we'll have to pull that up in a second. But here we go. This is a better one, I think. Give it some volume. No. Oh, wow. All right. I apologize. Here we go. For those of you who don't know, Maria Adonis was, was the socialist okay. mayor of the fourth largest city in Venezuela. He's a Chavista. Uh, revolutionary in Venezuela. Uh, he was also one of the the greatest, uh, you know, uh, you know, one of the, gr the greatest hitters of, of um, you know my high school and college days uh, in, in the U.S. I mean, he played for the White Sox and played for the uh, uh, Detroit Tigers. Also, uh, I got to get my Maglio jersey hung back up in here too. His White Sox one, but that's what these uh, lovely Esqualitos, uh, you know, are are chanting here. Go ahead, Joseph. This is this is what the I mean. This is. Again, Maglio Ordonez, uh, great baseball player, also mayor of a large city in Venezuela, uh, definitely a Chavista. Um, yeah, total love for Ordonez. But this is what the Wikipedia political views section just says. Ordonez uh, was a supporter of the late Venezuelan president Hugo Chavez and in early 09 appears in a televised political ad which assured the Venezuelan people that the best of the revolution and socialism is yet to come. He also joined Chavez on the campaign trail. That's the first sentence. There's only one more sentence. As a result, during the 09 World Baseball Classic, Ordonez was booed by anti-Chavez Venezuelan fans during his at-bats and while he was in the field. The fuck does that have anything to do with his political... Like, there's only there two go. sentences, Nate. There's only two sentences, and we got to make sure that this... Is one Boo! Of them. Boo! <laughs> yeah. Boo! It's, like, it's ridiculous. Like, it's like a soccer game. When do you ever see people just standing up, like, relentlessly like this at a baseball game if it's not, like, game seven of the World Series or something? People are still having trouble hearing it. Well... I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm not sure why I can hear it, but I'm not I'm not sure why. Um anyway, the point is yeah. is that yeah, you can well, you can look know. that up. But like the point is he is oh. he is he takes it. He takes it from all sides of, of the of the crowd, and it's just fucking ridiculous because again, these are all exiles. Nope, nope, nope. Then, then your mic. That's what happens when you turn that up. 
then your mic goes crazy. I'm not sure. Still no sound? No. Man, wow. All right. Hold on. Let me let me see something here. Was I not? Yeah, not... I don't know. I don't know if the audio wasn't sharing, so if it was just coming through the mic. Let's see now. Was this I mean I'm just not gonna put There we go. So again, Justin's pointed out like this is literally what Wikipedia thinks he's famous for. Like a bunch of like insane right wing exiles standing up with artificial noisemakers and booing him relentlessly is what Wikipedia thinks is noteworthy about this man's life. Like I just it's it is it makes no sense. You wrote two sentences about him and this had to be one of them. Like uh yeah yeah man i mean yeah we we can talk about his like i guarantee you like find a pro any any pro either side i don't give a shit here in the u.s but find find a baseball player that's pro anybody that's outspoken go to their political view section of wikipedia and make sure if it says like oh they were a proud supporter of biden or trump and the very second sentences and they were booed when they went here no like this is this is reserved for him like, yeah. because he's one of the few that came here, did what he did, and went, yeah. Played, no, played, in, world, played in the World Series, made a lot of money, yep. played for the White Sox, played for the Tigers, uh, and then had the audacity to turn against the Empire. Then wasn't Just, grateful. Yeah. Justin was not yes. grateful, right? There we go. It all comes back to the was not grateful, which, I t- which totally makes it, everything come together. The whole right-wing nature of sports fandom, the idea that it's really tied into American nationalism and like reaffirming their own position of American exceptionalism and the, the individual's experience as being a part of that, like feeling that they're going and cheering. It's not just that game. It's being part of a larger body politic in their mind. It's not really – it's an abstract. It's an abstraction, but it's like it, – but it's also real in the sense that like it yeah. gives them the sensation – and the feeling of like being part of this like community, right? Of, uh, of people that are also all racist that like love countries like Israel and like want to bomb the shit out of the Middle East and like, you know, and act as if like uh, if you are do not show sufficient, you know, gratefulness, right, to this country that has allowed you to come and play Major League Baseball here in the sense that like you forever are going to just not talk about the politics or if you do, talk about him from a pro right wing, like, you know, do stuff like Aradas Chapman just did. I mean, it's so mm-hmm. not heroic what he did. Like, it's like, you no. literally, there is no risk. There is no anything. It's like, if anything, you're he's going to make more money because of that. But, you know, he will. He yeah, will. Oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like, you're, it's, it's just like, why wouldn't you? If you're just some tool who has no, like, principles at all, like, go put SOS Cuba on your hat. Like, you are not, like, doing anything remotely that takes courage, man. Yep. You're not going – you already are going back to Cuba. We know that. Like – Yep. So, I mean, it's just disgusting, man. So, anyways, like, 
wanted to like you know move on that because like we've been talking about stadium stuff you know and like we saw mike and uh was on by any means necessary last week along with uh miguel garcia of sports as a weapon and uh you know they were talking stadium deals all right and they got me thinking doing a little more research and i wanted to kind of circle back to something so i found this amazing justin um raiders this was from 2013. this was back in oakland before they left and moved to vegas to close off top deck of seats they forced oakland to build in 90s all right so let me go back, just circle back here real quick and just show you what this is yeah. before I like read a little bit. This is just remarkable. They spent $200 million building an upper deck that like a decade later, they had to tarp off to avoid blackouts. And it, it, and while it also, they, like for football, it literally blocked the view of all the hills and the beautiful sight lines of Oakland yeah. that made that stadium the great baseball park it was. Like, yep. it, it's just like, I cannot, I've never seen a better illustration of the monstrosity of this like stadium industrial complex of like that the NFL and MLB to a lesser extent takes part in than, than this, man. Like, I mean, so take a look at, the, at this here. Look at that tarped off monstrosity of an upper deck there. Yeah. I mean, like, what in the world is that? Like, and then looked at it for like an A's game here. That used to be like open overlooking like the whole, the view of the bay, of the bay and overlooking the hills yep. of Oakland. Like it's just it's absolutely astounding, and then now instead you get that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, like, let me see if I just to show you what I'm talking about. Like, because before that you had, let's see here yeah here we go perfect look you get to see the hills and everything in the background there yeah yeah exactly look at some stuff but instead no we gotta build this to get the raiders back so only so they can leave 20 years later and leave us with this monstrosity this upper deck alone costs 200 million dollars all right 200 million dollars that oakland will never get back all right. Yeah. The suffering working working people of Oakland will never be able to benefit from uh, the resources that represents. Um, so to go back here to this article for 2013, uh, and I'll just read this and let you react here. But Raiders to close off top deck of seats they forced Oakland to build in 90s. All right. Okay. The trend. Let me see if I can zoom in here a little bit. Um, Okay, the trend towards NFL teams wanting smaller stadiums is officially a thing. The Oakland Raiders have announced that they are going to, uh, to be reducing capacity by 10,000 seats for the 2013 season, including tarping off the top deck of Mount Davis. They call it Mount Davis, the, the, the monstrosity that Al Davis forced them to build so they moved back to Oakland from L.A. Um, the stadium addition that was installed for the Raiders returned to Oakland in 1996. This would make the Coliseum the smallest venue in the NFL. It would maybe help the team avoid the TV blackouts that have been common in recent years. But mostly it would mean the Oakland Stadium saga's final descent into farce. Oakland spent $200 million on building Mount Davis, tried to sell PSLs, purchasing seat licenses, um, to pay off the cost, then found that no one wanted to buy them. And then saw the A's owners vow to leave town because the renovations for football had ironically ruined the stadium for baseball. Yeah, by blocking views of the Oakland Hills, which wouldn't be much much of an issue if they hadn't built that towering third deck that the Raiders now say they don't need. 
I'd say this is the greatest example of multi-leveled irony I've seen in a while. But it still can't top this. No, I don't know what is this. It's blocked. So, anyways, that's it. But like, yeah, you know, isn't it crazy it, how socialism works for the really rich? Yeah. Oh, it totally worked. Who Weird. lost the situation? Al Davis. I mean, Mark Al Davis is dead. His son Mark Davis is in Vegas. He was one of the least wealthy owners, but then he got all that Sheldon Adelson yeah. cash to go relocate to Vegas. Uh, and Oakland is left with a, a, a monstrosity of an upper deck, literally blocking the view of the, the beautiful background this stadium could have. It's ruined the stadium for baseball, which is all they have now. And yet they can't even afford to pay to tear it down because the cost would be too cost prohibitive and they don't have the money to build a new stadium. Yeah. No, I mean, it is the, the idea that, you know, most stadium deals always go through the municipality and always go back on the taxpayers is just absolutely absurd. Um, you know, which, and I don't even get it from like, a capitalist standpoint. Let's say that you are a piece of shit capitalist like these owners. How does the Jerry Jones model not make sense? How does not owning your stadium and building it yourself, like how did the, how, like has that man recouped the $2 billion he spent building that thing? Yeah, he has because he does college football. He does college basketball. Um, Cause he owns it outright. Yeah. He doesn't have to license it for naming. He doesn't have to do any of these things. Like, so even from that standpoint, it's just literally like it it only makes sense when it just goes the rich capitalist doesn't even want to part with a dollar for like a day. Like no. it is, it is, it is all, you know, it, you know, it goes back to when it's like, you know, who pays for who pays for things, who pays for what, right? So like if you look at like you know, if you look at the capital that anyone wants to put into a country, right? Like the companies want to put this capital in, but they don't want to like fund the war, but will fund the war. And that, and, and those wars will cost trillions and, you know, right. but the investment would cost more. Like the point is that it's like, but it's, it's not their money. So they don't give a shit. Like yeah. they will use your money and do whatever they want with it. Like, right. If or they can take seven from you to make three, they'll do it. Like they right. don't care. Or if you're Donald Trump, you just like uh, literally just don't pay people. You just get a loan, don't pay them, and declare bankruptcy, right? I mean, like you. So it's like that's just the way, like, and that's just a microcosm. I mean, that's like, uh, no, Trump is uniquely evil, Justin. He's the only one doing that. Like, we got to just yeah. spend this whole episode talking about Donald Trump and how he's uniquely challenging our sweet Lord baby Jesus democracy, right? Yeah. That Aroldis Chapman is so busy helping to uphold right now in the name of Tom Cotton. Right? Just, just, just think about Tom Cotton for a minute. You know, Tom Cotton has feelings too, Justin. You know? Yeah, he, you know, he, he does. He is, he is a human being. No, actually, no, he's not. But I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Tony LaRusa has feelings. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> You know, I haven't gotten your take. Why don't you like let the, I, our, our listeners and viewers know, as a Cardinals fan, what your feelings are about your former World Series winning, uh, you know, two-time World Series winning Dipper, who's I mean, now the doing great things with the Chicago White Sox this year, by the way. He is doing great things with the White Sox. Yeah, because he's a great because he's a great baseball manager. 
Um, is he a good decision maker? No. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I think all of us can look back and we can all look at like a coach or, I mean, even if they didn't like coach or manage our team necessarily, there's like a coach or like that we respect. You know what I mean? Neil with the comment of the yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, um, keep going. So like, like there's, there's somebody in the world of like sports and their job and what they do that you can respect the hell out of like that. But like everything else about them is problematic. And yeah. that's Tony LaRusso to me. Um, Tony LaRusso, like, uh, you know, outdated for t- today's game in certain facets, but obviously can still make it work. But at the same time, I think that his haters will just say, yeah, but this team's just like super talented. Right. And, and they are. But some of those pieces were added after he came in, like, like the, you know, um, and getting the best out of him. Like the fact that like Tim Anderson could say, I really don't agree with the way that the manager handled this, but like, I respect him. Like that's, that's like the, probably the nicest thing Tim Anderson said about a manager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so obviously there is, there is something on a baseball level where this guy gets the respect. Um, the White Sox organization renaming that section of the stadium after him absolute bullshit but that's not a larusa thing i don't think he asked for that i don't think he was like take down this employee former stadium employee's name and put my name up there i definitely don't think that's something that he asked for um i think that's just marketing um on the part of the front office you know like that's the that's the team making a bad decision you know Um, But at, the, but at the same time, yeah, he, he doesn't make good decisions. I mean, just look at all of his DUIs. I mean, the guy doesn't make good decisions. Well, I mean, what about um, literally oh, saying away he, from baseball? Not to mention, I mean, what about the guy like was like not just a you know drunk or getting DUIs, but I mean, he was also like saying the stuff he said about Kaepernick and like how he's just like mm-hmm. you know, disgusted and he wanted want him on a team, his team and all that stuff, you know. So you know, but like at the at the same time, you know, I. Like that sort of thing, I I don't know if he was vying for like a job on Fox Sports or what. I mean, at that point, he was unemployed, right? Like he was retired when he said the Kaepernick stuff. And this this team, this like very young, talented with, you know, like not something you can say in the MLB in its current state with like multiple talented black baseball players on it. Um you know, that aren't afraid to speak. Tim Anderson's not afraid to speak. I mean, think of the things that like, he's not been, I wish he was a little bit more political. He's not, but I love how outspoken he is. And I love that he he's not going to shut up because you ask him to shut up, you know? So like, I don't know. It's weird. Like the, the that part of Larusa, like the amount of, of, you know, um, ethnicities he's managed and, you know, hasn't really had any racism claims that that's one of those comments where I just think like a drunk man said drunk boomer shit. You know what I mean? Like that's Dude, stop, I, stop essentializing <laughs> boomers, Justin. Like you're not properly distinguishing between the class dynamics of, of like working class proletarian boomers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, we obviously know when we're talking about like, boomer yeah. shit we're talking about petty bourgeois jackass boomers all right like yeah that's exactly what we mean, all right like <laughs> exactly it's someone actually like, someone actually said that to me though by the way oh like, my I, don't God, know, really? I, don't, I don't know yeah yeah i was like dating i'm like there's some like boomer bullshit you're like 
there's like working class boomers that like are who are struggling, blah blah blah. Yes, I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, I just there's no need for that. Hey, you know what I mean? There's no why, need for that. I don't need that in why here. Didn't, why didn't you away, think man. about the why didn't you think about the intersectionality of boomers, man? Like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, absolutely, man. Like, so anyways, like, I don't have much more time. We got, uh, I actually just to let y'all know, but Bob Schleyhuber, the host of uh, Political Misfits, uh, uh, I'm actually on a Zoom call with him tonight at 8 Eastern with uh, the professor, Caroline Light, from uh, Harvard University, dean of students there, undergraduate dean, and, and my, my dad, who's a judge. I've been talking a little bit about the DJ Brodus case in Jacksonville, who was, uh, if you want to look that up, um, might not get into all of it now. It's, it's like a true crime story you could not make up. Um, black man who has a family, um, you know, was, I think, you know, bis, bisexual, but like, uh, and had a, a relationship with this guy who was, um, happened to be a uh, connected family in Baker County, Florida, which is on the border with Georgia, west of Jacksonville. This guy was a deputy at the Baker County Sheriff's Office, but he had a thing for, you know, wanting to be a black man. Uh, but he also, it's sort of like almost a Jekyll and Hyde, like separating of his body sort of like experience. So, you know, I think being with DJ was some kind of like part other, like a repository or something for like repressed desires. He couldn't actually self-actualize or express. So uh, anyways, it's a tragic story because uh, DJ was like, they were, you know, just like texting, arguing about something. He showed up and then instead of admitting to his friends and coming clean about like, you know, just who he actually is, right? He shoots and kills them and says he was trespassing. America, S-O-S-U-S-A, man. I mean, yeah. this is, kind of stuff is not like, is like rare and like, you know, just random, like, you know, weird, like abnormalities as people might think. I mean, like these kind of like, you know, insane instances of like violence, like are, are fairly common, really. It's not like almost to the point where I have to check myself for being like desensitized sometimes. I, yeah. I was I was having this conversation. I was having this conversation with somebody at work the other day, right? And that's like going back and like thinking about thinking about Columbine, thinking about how many people like perished in that. Like I, I mean, I'm old enough to where like I was I was older when that happened. Like um, I was in fifth. I, I, I was in fifth grade. What year was that? I was in fifth grade. It was uh, like like early '98. Okay. Yeah. I would have been a junior in high school. Like, so it, it's one of those things that like you think about that and you remember, like, it's all anyone talked about. Like I, I remember as a teenager, that was all anyone talked about on oh, the news man. for months, Yo. for, for yeah. months and months and months and months. And that's now, different. and like right now, that's literally like, a, like that is like, that barely makes a news cycle and is gone. Like, honestly, like, think about that. Like, that barely makes a news cycle with how many how many people passed in that. Like, yeah, that barely makes a news cycle now. Well, it's just a testament to it's how desensitized we are, man. Like, I mean, yeah. absolutely. Um, but you know, ever since the 90s, we've been watching our soldiers kill people. We've been watching our country, like, go fight, do violence yeah, for good. Violence for good, violence for good. We put shows like Dexter on TV, which, by the way, that show is just – U.S. foreign policy as a human. He kills for good. It's insane. Anyway, but we put yeah, shows yeah, like that yeah, on yeah, back yeah. then. What, like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, it's like, like the wildest shit, bro. Like, he kills like, pe He's helping people, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's killing for good. Like he is U.S. foreign policy incarnate. Like I couldn't watch that show. I remember somebody tried to get me into that when it first started, and I was like, "This is literally, this is America." Like as a person, like they're killing I, for I good. Mean, I, I, I just, I, I, the show was I thought like interesting, like as a show, but like it's the politics of it are, are terrible. I mean, like so many things. I mean, which brings us to our next topic: uh, Gossip Girl on Cinemax. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I, I actually who's gonna have, win? Hey, who's gonna yeah. win tonight? I know, I know you gotta go. I'm gonna be off on Thursday too. I'm I'm starting a vacation literally right after this, right after we end. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna yeah. start my vacation, and you got your thing. But who's gonna win tonight? Who's gonna win? Uh, I'm I'm saying the Bucks tonight. And I was telling my my, my home my homeboy here um, earlier in the chat um, from Milwaukee here, um, who FL, uh, who's a work construction worker up in up in. Milwaukee uh, up in the mill um, that, uh, you know, he's hanging out in the Deer District, actually, you know, hitting us up live from the Deer District. I hope the Deer nice. District's partying hard tonight. I'm not really a fan of Chris Paul's leadership of the uh, you know players union. I mean, it's like ultra respectability politics, like nothing really that good. Not to mention, he's also just like a really dirty player. He just does like, you know, I mean, well, he's not a terrible guy, but he's just like, I'm not like in this whole camp of just like, you know, we got to like, you know, it's just his time. See, we just have to like see Chris Paul. I mean, when is the when, where are the when's the buck? This is the Bucks time. You're not gonna have yeah. like you know the uh, you know Mike's coming in here as we're getting ready to wrap the stream up now. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> man, you're gonna yeah, bro, you're gonna uh, literally these people are literally gonna be like, you know, bro. you gotta let Chris Paul get one. You gotta let Chris Paul get one. Man, where was Charles Barkley's man? Like, come on, like you like some people just don't get one, and it sucks, but. Some people yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't hate Chris Paul, Mike, but it's just like, I, I, he's not, I mean, as far as like people are leading the players union, I mean, all those state farm commercials kind of get on my nerves a little bit. And then, uh, he's a you young know, little I, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Man. Yo, so we were just talking about some nice old, like, you know, Cuban exile Frankenstein monsters that blew up planes and stuff, uh, you know, that, that, uh, and, and, you know, in the 70s and then acted like they're freedom fighters, you know, helping stand up for us. Then we watched the Maglio Ordonez get booed relentlessly while he was batting. Uh, the Tavista, you know, Venezuelan former baseball player, MLB player uh, uh, back in 2009 and how his Wikipedia page just like literally says, oh, not to mention he was a superstar hitter for the White Sox and Tigers. Let's make the main thing that he was booed relentlessly by a bunch of a bunch of Escalinos, you know? <laughs> in Miami at the 2009 World Baseball Classic. You know, Ozzy Gian? Yeah, Ozzy Gian's like, man, Fidel's that that dude. Man. Guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I can't believe the left. We didn't come out stronger, you know, turning up for, for Ozzy Gian, you know? I the love one, Ozzy. Ozzy. If we would have we, we, had Red Spin Sports back when that happened, man, that would have been like, a whole like three months worth of episodes, man. Just like the Ozzy Gian show this week. Ozzy Gian yeah. Solidarity Night. Yo, what's Ozzy Gian Solidarity Night again, yo? But you know, I guess we missed the missed the boat on that one, you know. Anyways, Mike, you've been globe trotting around the world, you know. Uh, can you maybe tell us a little bit about some of the, you know, lessons you learned or whatever? I was in twenty twelve. I mean, as nine years ago, I guess. I mean, forces were much different, I guess, nine years ago. But, it was not, man, it was nine years ago? I, yeah, it was man. I remember the same year, like, you no know, Trayvon. Like, this was yeah. happening um, around April. Wow, that's, this was the same time as that. That's about the maybe time. That I, got more media. So maybe that's about that, the time Mike and I started hanging out, man. Like, oh, yeah, it was about the time. Oh, we're good. Yeah, 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 we're
No, I've been good, man. I've been um traveling a lot, you know, also working a lot, but you know, happy to be on. I mean, at least for the short amount of time yeah, that man. I need to be on. I mean, you know, Florida's been insane with these uh these uh you know right wing Cuban protests, you know, in Jacksonville, they shut down at 95 South. You know, Nate's from Jacksonville. Yeah, man. 70, 80 Cubans like in the middle of the highway just stopping it. Yeah, there you go. Hey, why didn't you why didn't you go run them over, man? Well, and nobody uh, hit them. And never, nobody hit them. You're not gonna have yeah, you're not gonna have any you're not gonna have any immunity, you know, from doing that. It just goes to show you the, the hollowness of those kind of laws, right? I mean, if I didn't go if they're threatening my freedom to run them over, why don't I get the same protection as when they're going to go try to run over a bunch of people actually fighting for something progressive? They, yeah. they, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because you say that because you remember we talked about this like anti-protest law that was passed a couple couple months ago by the governor Ron DeSantis here, and like you had hundreds of people blocking the highways, you know, calling for a kind of revolution in Cuba. You had three arrests, you know, out of all that. So last year. You saw all these like Black Lives Matter demonstrations and you saw hundreds of arrests, you know, but folks blocking the street. You can't get anything. You know, it's kind of crazy. Uh, and it's also kind of crazy, Nate, to be in Jacksonville and see that, too. You know, just being the state right. in general and kind of see all this stuff happening. Um, but, you know, I mean, it is what it is. They're going to start yelling on deaf ears. Um and I think y'all already talked about these athletes kind of doing this SOS Cuba bullshit. But, yeah, uh, Aradis Chapman especially. I'm just saying, like, how, like, it doesn't, how, like, it literally requires, like, negative courage. It's, like, zero courage to do that. You're, you're going to get paid if you come out and do that. It's, it's like, like with Darren yeah, Morley, you know, of the um, former, like, Rockets gym. Yeah. Um, like, free Hong Kong Instagram. Like, right. He's not taking some type of moral stand. Hell no, man. In fact, if anything, he like he like screwed over a lot of people in the NBA. He like made the the whole led to the Chinese people boycotting the NBA for a while. He had to do put, what was put, right. He had to do the right thing. They already said, but think about like, it. The dude had been totally apolitical his whole life. Like he never, <laughs> never tweeted a political thing his whole life, and then suddenly out of nowhere, he gets like out of all the fucked up shit in the world, everything is messed up. You got to get on there and say free Hong Kong. For the bottom of my heart. Bottom of my heart, man. No, yeah, he had never said anything, you know, any time, you know, besides sharing all the, the typical BLM. You know, I mean, right. I guess in his role as a GM, you better, you know, if you do, you're gonna people are gonna have some problems with you. But yeah, you fucking yeah. total piece of crap. Um, yeah. Now he's uh, what is it? The New Jersey Nets, uh, well, Brooklyn Nets GM. No, right. Philly sold up his 76. Philadelphia, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he hired Doc Rivers. Great, great job at that, you know. Let's see. Did, did y'all see Pitbull asking Bezos to get involved in Cuba? Neil asked. Yes. Yeah, did you see, like, uh, Bezos went to space and then gave Van Jones $100 million? That's what's up, yeah. man. I mean, I love to see that kind of solidarity right there, man. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know the show, The Shot? Uh, shot? Like, it's like, a, you know, it's, it's meant to, like, you know, uplift, like, you know, young, like, you know, like, Know, more diversity, like you know, more like black like directors, and it, it really, in some ways, it is good. Like comments on it, you know, as a producer, but it's got like really like like liberal type politics in some ways. Like they support the mayor, like defunds the police in Chicago, and the and the and the, uh, the show the shot, and they're all like the the cops started like trying to sabotage everything he's doing at that point, and it's like, but then they're like the kid starts a podcast and mentions how he wants to get Van Jones on his show. <laughs> 
I mean, that's just ridiculous, <laughs> man. Like, I, I know, like, you're like, you get a man who's defunding the police, but then you feature this young, like, black kid man who's, like, pl- becoming political when they start a podcast, <laughs> podcast, and who does he want to get on the show? Van Jones. I just don't get <laughs> like, like, oh, no. I just don't get what Pitbull wants Jeff Bezos to do. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he wants to build it. Yeah. So he wants Jeff Bezos to build more yeah. Amazon um, sweatshops. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? He's a job. Want to be a job creator? Job creator. Yeah. yeah job. So, anyways, dig, Mike, I, go ahead, Justin. I got to show. Mike dig this. back. Dig back into Van Jones's life, and you'll see that he's one of the only people that was ever like an open like ML that has made this switch, and now he's getting a hundred million dollars from Bezos. It's just, it's just proof, man. Like if you're willing to sell that shit out. Jeff Bezos will give you a hundred million dollars. Yeah, Van Jones after the Rodney King um, rebellion or riots, you know, he called himself a communist. So he started yeah. like, like Color of Change. He originally started. He started yep. like the Bay Area Cop Watch. I mean, there's somebody who had more militant politics in the '90s, but you know, like so many people who think that they could, you know, change the system from within, he tried to do that. Now he's like relegated to doing documentaries with Megan McCain. I mean, what the hell? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just embarrassing. He's like crying when Biden won. Oh, um, yeah, that, I know, man. You got You got it. It's emotional, man. You got weird. It's emotional. Has he taken really shitty foreign policy stances? I haven't really seen that. So maybe he's selling on that. I don't know. But like it. It's it's one of those things where it's like if you if you're if you're committed to this and I think all three of us can attest to this right and I think all, all of our listeners all like the people who like enjoy the show like can all attest to this like there's no money in being you know who we are but we're who we are because we're on the right side of history we're who we are because we fight for the things that we believe in and in this society you are destined then. To, to live a certain lifestyle that in America, in a capitalist country, is below this excess level. And if you just go, you know what, I'm going to live here forever, so I'm just going to give up <laughs> like, and make money, there's only money in this normie shit. Like, there is no money in this. But like, if you're ML and you're, say, in Cuba, are you rich? Cuba getting some No, because... the. The standard is different. And that doesn't mean that like you don't have everything you need. You have absolutely everything you need. The only reason you'd be rich is if you're greedy and you're well, hoarding right. you're hoarding resources. Well, and like go ahead. No, it's just it's it's one of those things where like that's where I see like the Van Jones trajectory, right? Is that like you go, all right. I'm going to quit the fight at some point because he did. He had a lot of fight in him in the 90s and he had good fight in him and he had good policy, good takes. You know what I mean? Like good philosophies. And he bailed on that. He, he abandoned the fight. And when you abandon the fight and you just lay down, you go, I guess I'm just going to assimilate into this. What is the thing I can do? I can become rich. I can hoard resources. I can become well, of that class. Well, and maybe, maybe somewhere he had something in his head where he went, you know what? I... Maybe if I get a little bit of clout, then I can change. But he's clearly abandoned this. Like, that's the point. Think, like, it's no longer. If he ever had that, it's gone. Well, his calculation. So, like, I know, like, I've known, like, some movement folks who he's tried to mentor and stuff like that. Like, his calculation was exactly what you just said. Not the, well, mainly, mainly the last one that, oh, if I mainstream myself, you know, I could, you know, get more money 
to fund organizations like cop you know like you have this this thinking yeah. that um, an individual's behavior is going to dictate the change of behavior but the only issue is you know people people tend to do actions by themselves so he wasn't working with anybody when he decided to do this plan in which he was going to become a CNN commentator and be the voice on there. And if that's his plan, he's doing a really bad job of it because he doesn't <laughs> isn't like he pushes like some like radical line. I mean, he he doesn't like a criticize. Like, so one thing he doesn't do on there, he doesn't criticize really the left, you know, um, yeah. he avoids that. But it's like you give up so much other shit. You just ruined your credibility. Why would you do a documentary with Megan McCain? Yeah. Like that just makes no sense. So like, that's when like this whole, you know, people have this thought process of changing stuff from inside. You can go overboard. And he went, <laughs> I don't know, man, I couldn't, not, I, especially with what happened with the Amazon unionization drive. Mm -hmm. I couldn't be on that same stage with Jeff Bezos. Like and him giving you a hundred million dollars. Who wants that? Like, who's gonna want Jeff Bezos a hundred million dollars? You know what I'm saying? After because it's clearly um part of that hundred million is uh money that they saved from stopping the unionization. Yo, and he's not just giving it away, man. He's giving you that with strings attached, too. Right? You know what I mean? So it's like the notion that you're just gonna get a hundred million dollars and you're not gonna be expected to play a role is absurd. I was also pointing out how like you know, these people that try to describe the word freedom, right, Mike? And I'll just riff on it real quick. But just like freedom is like to the idea of these like exile fucks that like are just so mad. The SOS Cuba crowd is trying to, you know, you know, gaslight people into thinking that they're actually progressive and somehow representing something good. Um, they it's like for them, it's like, oh, my freedom. I want to go create like an online, you know, like a, a trips club where we all get timeshares and everybody invests and throws in. And then we all start living that lifestyle. Then we're ziplining through like, you know, some tropical paradise right with my friend windsurfing it's like there's like hotel workers in there you know just just working their tails off you know cleaning up bar from some frat frat douche you know who threw up all over everywhere and you gotta have a boss yelling at him and all that shit but it's my freedom to like have that trip club and run my multi-level marketing scheme and you know live get all this excess you know make all these excess profits and stuff that's my freedom and if you're denying me the right to be an entrepreneur that is the freedom that the Cuban government has taken away. They are not letting me be an entrepreneur, even though, like, again, it's the blockade that's like stopping all kinds of investment from even coming in. Um, they don't want that to be lifted because if it's lifted, then Cuba will be able to start getting resources and they'll be able to start do do something along right. the lines. Of, yeah. Right. It's the most insidious shit. Like even like, um, you know, Cuba had a process when they redid the Constitution even a couple of years ago in which you had over 80 percent people voted to ratify the contract the constitution hundreds of thousands to millions of people participated in the drafting of the constitution i mean shit like when have we ever gotten asked about the u.s constitution if it needs any changes it was, absolutely so you have more mass participation in politics in cuba more education and the other thing is part of that constitution they allowed um like kind of these like small entrepreneur stuff you know as a concession to those who are trying to do that but it's like you know it there's so much misinformation, especially being in Florida, like, you know, yeah. like, like we've gone to, you know, our, at Florida State University. I mean, we've gone to school with a lot of folks who um, support regime change in Cuba, uh, who are, you yeah. know, the exile community. And like you see these memes like there was this meme and I, I don't know if y'all remember it. It's like the embargo is not the issue They're like Cubans can't, you know, sell their house. Cubans can't 
you know, um, sell grain. Like it's like it's basically like Cuba can't do capitalism, therefore the embargo doesn't matter. But it's like if the embargo didn't work, why are they doing it? And it's almost like the this exile community. I mean, you got some of the community, for example, that are just brainwashed. So sadly, well, they're like that aren't rich. Like well, different camps within it. Like there's the hard right line. That's the hardliners, like the Rubios like the bad pig survivors who who want to who literally are in favor of the country being bombed into oblivion and restarting right and yeah then, like that's essentially what they want they want military strikes all that shit. you didn't have this kind of more liberal but still anti you know communist faction of the exile community that's like this whole obama route like oh the the way to get freedom and democracy in cuba is to do more trade with them you know right so you have that model, but then it's like, either way, the embargo harms us all. So the biggest thing in general, I mean, you know, Trump, the Trump era sanctions in regards to like putting out so much BS propaganda to discourage tourism there. And also the sanctions in which like remittances, if you're sending money back to your family. And yeah, kids, you can't do not, that. That had a material impact on people's lives. And yeah. folks that like that doesn't have an impact and it's just you know, this party that is democratic and has 85% of the country voting in elections, these people have no answers to that. And the only answer is to say the same old talking points. And, you know, they're not winning, you know what I'm saying? And they know they're losing. Yeah. Um, and I think it kind of shows, a, I don't know, we're in a, it's kind so, of a different period. You, you know, know I, I got to, Mike, I got to point something out. So y'all don't even know, though, where I live now, like North Jersey, like Hudson County, especially, um, is like the second largest home of Cuban exiles in the U.S., so, like, you know, ABC7 New York has uh, been covering this, and they had this protest last week, and I wanted to show you this little video real quick here, man, and from Union City, New Jersey, uh, just to let you know how not courageous these protests are. Look at the politicians that actually show up to this, and just let your mind be blown here. I love this, too. We talked about this earlier, Mike, in support of reform back home. Reform, right? Just reform. All right, so here we go. Check this out support from their homeland brethren living in the U.S., places like Union City, New Jersey, and Miami. Had President Trump allowed the Obama doctrine to continue with Americans doing business with Cuba, would there now be shortages of... This, this is the New York City local news, by the way. So this got you know, brought that's a lot of people. Food and medicine, especially at a time when the coronavirus is winning on the island nation. From Union City, here's New Jersey reporter Anthony Johnson. Voices of change are ringing loud and clear. Hundreds gathered on the streets of North Bergen and West New York to show their support for reform in Cuba. Cuba should be free, no matter what, what it takes. Call the government, call U.S. Biden, they should be on top of this, no matter what. Call U.S. Biden! <laughs> While some argue the GOP is... Called U.S. Biden. You heard the guy? Called U.S. Biden. And then, look at this. They got these all these mayors of these little hamlets of North Jersey showing up to march with them. And the, and the New Jersey Republican gubernatorial candidate talking about, like, how much he cares for people being oppressed and how we got to, like, get food and medicine to people. Like, people in Honduras need that, need that badly, too. In Colombia, you know, these U.S. client states. Anyway. If you, if you back it up, like Jeffrey said, you'll find a Blue Lives Matter flag is there. Like, why? Oh, that was a big thing. Uh, you should... Medicine, especially at a time when Man, the coronavirus is winning on the island. What? The voices of change are ringing loud. Oh, straight back in the middle. Where? 
uh, back in the in the first shot. There's one back there. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I got you, man. Yeah, there's a. There we go. Nice. Anyway, let's finish yeah. this out. Yeah. Streets of North Bergen and West New York to show their support for reform. This is where I, I work a couple miles from here. Cuba should be free, no matter what, what it takes. Call the government, call U.S. Biden, they should be on top of this, no matter what. The Republican gubernatorial <laughs> candidate in New Jersey joined the protest. While some argue the GOP is trying to thwart voting rights in this country, he supports the right to vote for all. First thing I'd like to see is for us to provide some medicine and food for people crying out for the most basic of human rights. America always runs to the rescue. It's time to do that. America border is 90 miles from our shores. The protest. America always runs to the rescue. We this should help them with supplies and food. It, supplies and food. Like what? What <laughs> I mean, can possibly be keeping them? I mean, uh, like. Go ahead. Like Cuba doesn't have a problem with producing a vaccine. They have vaccines. They don't have syringes or other materials they need it due to sanctions right. and right. right. <laughs> so County, New Jersey was just as spirited as a similar protest by Cuban Americans in South Florida, where they shut down. Man, a look at that shit, man. The calls for change are growing. The police the shut the highway down. They shut the, the highway down. Yeah. Yeah. Decisive action. This shows the united force that we have with our Cuban brothers <laughs> every day on the island. The repression in Cuba is escalating on the island nation. Meanwhile, the protesters here. This is insane. Like, like, listen to this cat. This guy is an exile who came here like in a plane when he was like two years old. He was saying this mayor. And you got this lady with like all decked out USA. Like, I mean, are all these people here like so I'm looking at there's definitely some of these working class people that get like just social pressure. I think like you live in one of these communities. It's very anti, you know, anti Castro, anti anti Cuba revolution. But it's like that's sort of the nature, like even, you know, I guess the people that have been you know exiled even that aren't like rich even um, still have this like fantasy, I guess, that like, you know, they can go back and, you know, that America's still good. You see that this like. You know, certain immigrants that adopt that like idea that we're going to be the good immigrants and uh, that somehow that's going to like protect from things and be the empire. I don't know. But it, Nate, you got to put on the, the United link. I, I put in the check that link. All right. Meanwhile, the protesters here vow to keep up the momentum and their efforts to see a free and democratic Cuba. From the streets of Havana to the streets of West New York, New Jersey, the protests continue to grow in support of Cuban liberation. What's even playing? Like, liberation. Like, what else does that mean other than straight up we support regime change, right? That's what that yeah. means. I mean, liberation for who, you know? Liberation. Yeah, man. Liberation. I mean, I, I don't know, Mike. Well, what's on your ra ra radar in the sports world? While I pull this up. Uh, I mean, just in general. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to get over this Cuba shit. Yeah, I hear you, man. All right. Anyways, let's go. So there's a video. Uh, Proud Boys leader uh, saying that he's opposed to U.S. military intervention. So oddly enough, he's to the right. Of the Florida, he's to the left of the Florida Democratic Party. Um, he comes to Cuba, but I don't know. I, I think you would have a lot of fun with uh, his uh, his interview in here. And um, 
what's asked is what should the Biden administration do at this point? Um, I don't believe any intervention uh, should be on the table, right? And the reason why I say that is because America has, has been for the past 50 years has been the world police of everything. I think that uh, it's on the Cuban people to take this back and I'll support them 100%. If uh, what we could do and what I would suggest to do is even more sanctions, pressure <laughs> Even more sanctions. So he's like, yeah, sanction the hell out of the government, out of the government, so the people can continue to rise up. Sanction the country, sanction the government, not the the people. You know, because that's how that's how that's that's how it works out. What I'm hoping is for a free society in Cuba, but I don't think that the the Biden administration have the best interests at heart of the Cuban people. I believe that um, if you were under the Trump administration, uh, my answer would be completely different and I would probably be open to intervention from the United States. <laughs> so apparently Trump, if Trump was there, he's like, drop the bombs, you know, kill everybody. Yeah, but Biden, Biden, like, Biden would mess it up. He'd mess it up. Well, I guess it's, well, I just don't get the. I just don't get like what the what the logic is. It's like, oh, you don't it's trust Biden to bomb them, because <laughs> yeah, it, Biden's a communist. Justin, really. Justin, how much do you love these Miami uh, exiles, man? Don't you want? Oh my God, he's it, a, he's the Proud Boys International Chairman. You know, <laughs> I love that title. You know, the news reporter asked him, or was like, "Yo, what's your, what the, the we news reporter asked him?" Yeah, he's like, "I'm the Proud Boys International Chairman." I mean, shit, Miami Herald. <laughs> a minute, Miami Herald. You really gave the uh, the pro This guy was arrested January six. <laughs> so <laughs> you really gave this guy. A yeah, I thought I, I, I thought I, re I thought I recognized him yeah. to express his political views. <laughs> like this is a recruitment it, tool. It is. It's like it's like it's like it's like an Al Qaeda, uh, you know, propaganda. They used to remember they used to drop yeah. those VHS tapes, you know, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't trust the Biden administration to do what's right for the Cuban. They people. are so. Uh, in, they're a bunch of lefty commies, so we can't trust them. Any fashion, and I believe that they'll do the same thing that they've done across the world and across South America. Is, <laughs> Go ahead and put uh, the American people first in Cuba, which I'm an American first guy, but that is not the best uh, thing for Cuba. I think the Cuban people need to make the decision. I think 1776 has to happen in Cuba and it has to be done by the Cuban people. Oh, that was the best part. 1776 needs to happen in Cuba. You mean you mean he would have been He would have been enslaved like uh, at that in yeah. 1776. I mean, I could have been at least, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like the irony of that is insane, isn't it? Like could have been literally in a come out of country celebrating the idea like at a time there was literal chattel slavery. And he's like, yeah, yeah, 1776. I mean, Cuba's uh 1776, you know, moment was uh in uh, 1959. You know? Exactly. That was that was their moment. That was their moment, and these people don't realize it. You know, like, and you know what's going to end up happening is uh, all the folks who are protesting and you know being stooges of um, the U.S. They're going to ship them to Miami, <laughs> and I think mm -hmm. that's kind of been their policy.
policy to get rid of like dissidents, you know, like just said Tony Montana, you know, like at all those. They just emptied the freaking jails out. They're like, all right, man, you 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 want us to get rid of all these prisoners? We'll yeah, we'll send them up your way. I mean, and then people like, love that argument. Like people really love that. Like Scarface, <laughs> the whole movie is built around a Cuban immigrant who literally becomes a criminal. <laughs> 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 yeah. just, I don't know. It's kind of one of those situations in which I mean. You know, anyways, in my opinion, what if Biden isn't like you know taking off the embargo or redoing the Trump era sanctions, he just needs to not do anything, you know. Like, just these these protests are going to die out, like they always do. And you know, yeah. the, Cuban, the Cuban government and the Cuban people are going to continue to you know fight, fight, you know, to liberate themselves and you know, um, serve the people. I mean. You know, like just bring it back in general. I mean, you know, we live in a country in which the money interests are on one side of the t- table. You know, when it comes to Cuba, you know, um, and we have to be aware of this whole pinkwashing narrative. Like, so for example, you remember when it comes to like the Palestinian struggle. You know, they always try to uh, the um, the Zionist Israeli apologists are always like, well, you know, Palestine, Hamas is homophobic. Um, <laughs> we wear <laughs> vegan boots. You know what's homophobic? Um, Israeli bombs killing um, queer Palestinian people. That's really homophobic. Yeah. But then think about it, this whole narrative in Cuba. Like they don't have anything, so they're pointing out, oh, think about the Afro-Cubans, or think about the uh, marginalized communities in Cuba. But what were the how are the Afro-Cubans under Batista? You know, they're in a oh, much better, yeah. much better position. To they're in a much better position to struggle yeah. um, against discrimination. Um, that you know, every country, you know, even the socialist countries have still the issues that come from you know, like Cuba just had the revolution in '59, that was 62 yeah. years ago. How long were they under the the thumb of you know Spanish you know colonization and then U.S. and you know imperialism, you know, and the social customs and discrimination and these like these negative social like relationships like racism like anti you know afro prejudice you're telling me in 16 years you expect a society to flip that no that doesn't happen anywhere however they're in a position to flip that because the government is literally educating people on that you know when i went to um cuba you know the airbnb i stayed in was owned by um Havana professor, and he was telling me, like, let's say, for example, in Cuba, um, when it comes to the universities, most of the universities are uh, white Cubans who go there. Um, It's not because black Cubans or Afro Cubans don't can't get in. It's because in, let's say, the Afro Cuban community, the customs is still around, you know, when you're 16, go get a job. Like with most like poor people, their parents can't conceive of college. They tell you to go work. And that's still a custom that's involved. And that's something that the Cuban government is in a position to educate. Cuba is so democratic. He gave me a story in, in which there was a local uh, neighborhood council. And there was an old guy who was like pretty much a patriarch. He had won that race uh, one or two times. Right. He had kept winning that local like neighborhood election race. So what happened was there was this um, young progressive guy who was like, you know, 
like doing great ideas. His wife was really involved with the campaign. The older um, Cuban women, you know, looked at him as his wife running him, you know, and still voted for the old guy. Um, so in, in essence, you know, um, you still have these customs of like patriarchy that still exists in society, but the government literally is doing an education, literally does an education program around gender roles, encouraging men to do more um, house duties, to wash the dishes, to participate in those activities, educating them that women aren't the sole like gender who do those activities in the household and stuff like that matters. So when you say that, oh, this is a dictatorship, it's a dictatorship to the um, exploiters who want to come back and still a society in which you had mm -hmm. most society in poverty, you know, infant mortality rates shooting up. It's, a, it's definitely a dictatorship against those who want to restore capitalism. You know, it's definitely a dictatorship that bullshit. We live in the United States. It's a, it's a dictatorship against anyone who wants to, you know, fucking raise the minimum wage to $15. You know, that's nothing. But capital is against that. We live in a country in which we live under dictatorship every day. But it's a but it's ran by one class that has the dictatorship. In Cuba, it's the opposite. You know, the working people are exercising a dictatorship over the former exploiters and their sympathizers. And, you know, it's our job and as folks in the U.S. to support their struggle and understand, you know, that we have to fight for our own here as well. So I don't know. I think I bring up those stories and stuff to, to kind of show that Cuba is still very democratic and still has to deal with customs um, from the old way. You know, Catholicism is still a, a dominant religion there and bringing it. And, and with that comes this social you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So Cuba still struggles to deal with that. But the only difference is the governor is a progressive force in fighting against that. Wait, but Mike, they're allowed. They're allowed to go to church. Yes, they are. Uh, it's not, I mean, a, not a godless atheist. There's <laughs> 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 nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, they. I mean, it's, it's Cuba, man. You know, like you still yeah. like the Pope visited and all mm -hmm. that jazz, but. You know, it's something that people don't really see. And I think uh, they listen to the narrative of people who, you know, whose grandparents lost their land a long time ago and they wanted back, you know? Yeah. All yeah. right. And Castro, and Castro was flexible enough to, like, understand, you know, it was it was uh, revolutionary, like, theologians that he spoke with because he was going to make definitely going to have Cuba be atheist. But he met revolutionary theogens who, and he was flexible. So it's weird. It's weird, right? Like it's always the strong man, the strong man Castro, you know, not to go to that trope, Nate, not to set you off on that trope, the strong man. Strong but man. Yeah, the strong man. Yeah, strong but, man. But that idea when it was him meeting, you know, like priests that had like, you know, dropped Bibles and picked up AKs to help fight in other parts of, of Latin America. And he learned of that strain of Catholicism right. because there is a left side of Catholicism and there is a revolutionary side of Catholicism. It obviously gets overpowered by the dominant force, like all things, right? Like, but it was still was there. And like, that's the point is that like, that's why Catholicism has a foothold in Cuba to begin with is because again, even at the revolution, it was flexible enough. And to say, you know what, like, you know, you've shown me why this doesn't need to be rooted out. There can be good forces within this. So I know Yo, Nate's got to go. He's got another I gotta show go. to get to. Yeah, I do, but I, <laughs> He's I leaving us, Mike. He's got another yeah. show. He's 
Not a, not <laughs> He's going to do true crime podcasts. He's doing yeah, true crime podcasts Thursday. I, I, no, DJ Brodus, man. I'm going to be talking like my dad's going to be with me uh, with uh, Bob Schlehuber and, uh, and and a professor at Harvard University who's, who's interested in the DJ Brodus case. Oh, wow. Um, so we're going to be on a Zoom call awesome. at Check 8 o'clock. Sure. Um, no, it's not like we're not, not showing going you. On. Dominic, it's never going to be shown. It's never, never going to be shown. This is uh, not a okay. show. This is not a show. Damn it. <laughs> I was hoping. Nate, nah, man. Are you meeting with Dominic? No. Dominic uh, uh, there's a vice reporter that's going to be on the call with us. Uh, oh, there's, I don't know, man. I don't know the name. Uh, Dr. Professor Caroline Light at Harvard, who's uh, oh. researched it. She's uh, the dean of undergrad of undergraduate, you know, of the whole under the student, the whole undergraduate program at Harvard. Um, uh, my dad's going to hop on there just to get a little insight into the, the legal awesome. uh, background and uh, and Bob Schleyhuber kind of putting it all together. That's awesome. My man, my man Schleyhuber. Who's, by the way, listen to Political Misfits earlier today. Hear Bob Schleyhuber break down the first two episodes of Gossip Girl. Um, you know, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, he actually did. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I actually did watch it. There's some interesting like class dynamics. What, and, uh, you know, what yeah. is going on? Yeah, I watched it. <laughs> yeah. happened, you know? Not class oh, dynamics, but it's just like shit, shit. You know, just yeah, shit on Upper East Side. You have to explain it to me, Nate. You know, Gossip <laughs> Girl. No. No, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm not talking about the old, like, you know, the, this uh, Cinemax. Oh, the show. new Gossip Girls. Yeah, yeah this new, new Cinemax show that's got, like, the teacher spot. The teachers are getting, like, the, the rich kids at the school are, like, getting their teachers fired whenever they want. Like, they get a bad grade. You're like, you know, fuck you, bitch. You drive, like, a Honda. You know, like, you're, like, you know, you're not cool. <laughs> like, straight up. And, uh... Yeah, so then, then, then the teachers getting together, they're like, yo, we're going to like push back, right? We're going to like push back on this and we're going to start an Instagram account and start like balancing the power set. But then they get real creepy with it. They start like following the kids around stuff. But at the same time, these kids are like awful. So it's like a perfect like illustration of like just the kind of where our society is right now. That, that That's the kind of stuff that gets made, right? <laughs> you know, like in a revolutionary society, like that kind of stuff wouldn't get made, right? Um, but uh, it, the fact that it does tells you a lot. Um, and uh, and what I did want to pull up though is Max, you know, which is I was just texting real quick, saying that this guy, your favorite dude, Jim, Jim Shooto or whatever, uh, you know, that, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's so bad, man, so bad. But before I go, I gotta leave y'all with this. He, the Juan Guaido of Europe, is what Max Blumenthal points <laughs> this uh, this lady here, um, and she was on CNN today with this guy. Um, here, here we go, lovely. Uh, talking about regime change in Belarus, all right? Her husband is in jail, and she's had to flee Belarus to their children for their safety. Now, I don't want to even butcher the name, but Shishan uh, Osakaya, all right, tells me she's in D.C. to ask the Biden administration to stand with Belarus and impose strong sanctions on the Belarusian regime. So here we go. Today with the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. What help do you plan to ask the U.S. for? No, the U.S. is the oldest democracy in the world. And uh, the U.S.A. <laughs> is promoting uh, this struggle between uh, autocracy of, of mm -hmm. and uh, uh, democracy in the world. It's so bad. Belarus in the front line. Uh, She's like rolled out of a U.S. State Department regime change lab. Like, you know, like, let's just like, that's what they do. Like Juan Guaido, whoever this is, like, Unbelievable! Like, listen to this. Right? This struggle. I think that uh, the USA has a moral obligation to with us, 
And uh, I ask uh, the USA on the one hand to help civil society to survive because it's rather difficult. It's extremely difficult to uh, struggle inside the country. People have, have to flee the country. Uh, you know, our mass media is destroyed mm. and uh, they also have to work somehow. So this support uh, to civil society is crucial at the moment. On the other hand, we understand that uh, without pressure on the regime, without political economical isolation, it would be much, much harder to um, uh, to achieve our goal. So uh, don't hesitate in uh, putting sanctions on the uh, cronies of the regime, on the wallets of the regime. The cronies! this violence as soon as possible <laughs> and bring our country to new elections and after to democracy. Have you been satisfied with the support that the U.S. has offered so far to you and other... To democracy! in Belarus. Is the U.S. doing enough? You know, so is what's getting this is an ad. in Belarus, it's my personal pain. He's it's running an ad for her. Million, uh, of people in <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, nothing is, is enough is. at the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm sure yeah. that- He literally is teeing her up. This is how she gets, nat how she gets national exposure. Uh, this is how they create the guidos. Think how much- Think how much prep went into this, man. Like, think how like- Go ahead, Mike. Well, let me look at, I'm on her Wikipedia page, and let's like, I'm going to quickly look at her economic platform increases, her emphasizes creating, you know, small and medium businesses. Let me finish. She plans to offer low interest, free low interest loans to them, cancel state inspections of private entities, and provide Ooh. legal protection for foreign investors. She also intends to allow profitable state-owned enterprises to continue while requiring unprofitable state enterprises to get outside help from outside professionals, a.k.a. Uh, she just Capital. wants to privatize everything. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, they need consultants. So education, the edu public education isn't making a profit. You know, let's get some... We get uh, some consultants. Let's get Bill Gates here to talk to some, yeah. to talk some strategies. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Like, you have to... People really, you have to start looking at, like, like you got to read through all of it. <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like, how, how hard is it how hard is it to even read through that he literally teed up the question has america done enough there's only one fucking answer to that what she's supposed to <laughs> she gonna say yes yeah exactly exactly i mean yeah hold on um uh, to achieve yeah. our goal so uh, don't hesitate in uh, putting sanctions on the uh, cronies of the regime, on the wallets of the regime, to stop this violence as soon as possible mm. and bring our country to new elections. Mm. After you keep making those noises. Mm. Have you been satisfied with the support that the U.S. has offered so far <laughs> to you and other members of the opposition? In now Paris? let me qualify and ask it again. You know, so is what's happening in Look at him smile like when he asked that. It's like he's so excited with this question. It's like he's just entranced. Oh, yeah. That's what he was paid to say. I mean, wow. And he, but he's so free. He thinks he's a free reporter, right? Stronger. Yeah. Uh, because people in Belarus are suffering and they understand. Did she say strong man? Prolonging uh, this uh, adequate answer uh, from the, the stand. That uh, because that the USA and the European Union are doing uh, could be braver. 
who would be faster, mm -hmm. who would be stronger, uh, because people in Belarus are suffering and they understand <laughs> that prolonging uh, this uh, adequate answer uh, from other countries, only prolonging Lukashenko uh, uh, at the power yeah. and prolonging sufferings. And people in Belarus want to stop uh, this violence as soon as possible. And only joint position, only joint sanctions, joint pressure and mm. joint... Oh, wow. So on that note, man, made, I'm going to... He makes I'm the sorry. creepiest noises. He makes the creepiest. He's just like, mm, mm, mm. mm. Yeah, he keeps mm. saying, you're right, mm, mm. mm. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. He's active listening. He's active listening. Day one mm. shit. <laughs> yeah. No, that's just wild, man. Yeah. So, we got Mike, you got any closing words, man? I, I'm pretty much tapped out. I'm good. You know, this is um, Cervantia. You know, she's, she was an English teacher, Nate, you know. Oh, wow. The future. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, you know, we'll yeah. uh, have, to, have to get together and read some poetry. Show solidarity and, uh, with the teachers, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Read re a little poetry and plot some regime change in Eastern Europe, Man, you know. Maybe, so maybe. far we've learned... So far, we've learned tonight that Nate is anti-union with Chris Paul, and he's anti-teacher with this lady. Come on, Nate, get with it, man! Fear the deer, man! Fear the deer, man! Who's gonna win tonight, Mike? Who's yeah, gonna win? Oh, who's gonna win tonight? Um, you know the the sun is really fucked up by uh, the mill, baby. The, the mill momentum, momentum has shifted, um, and I don't think Devin Booker wants it, man. I mean, he he's really good, man, but he. He has like nutted up in the fourth quarter the past two games. Yo. Not that he didn't do good last game. Yeah. But his last possession, man. Like it's almost like being a QB. You know, they only really care about the last two possessions, you know, in the close game in the in the finals. With yeah. a QB, it's all about the last two minutes of the game. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what make you break you. So it's like you know, I think the Suns can win, you know what I'm saying? But at this point, the momentum is on the Bucks side. And good for them. They're about to lose Aaron Rodgers. The city deserves something, you know. <laughs> Yo, I got to point this SOS out. SOS Aaron Rodgers. SOS Belarus, right? Uh, no, we got oh, – okay. No. Yo, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, so – the, the, they got bots like for the regime change and the comments, uh, you know, and in the, in the, in the tweet replies like this was an incredibly brave interview on her part. So heroic. I mean, she's oh, so heroic. Like, in like the U.S. I mean, she has protection from the CIA. I mean, yeah. How yeah. heroic. Yeah. Look, yeah. Look, 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 look at this one. Belarusians of Washington, D.C. She is our undisputed leader for your reference at the voting station in D.C. where Belarusian authorities did not falsify the results because of the exit polls. They are banned in Belarus. She received over 95 percent of the votes. Yeah, I'm sure about that. Yeah. 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 The, capital, <laughs> right. the capital of the Belarusian resistance <laughs> resides in D.C. as long yeah. as uh, East Turkestan, the, the Uyghur. Um, yeah. The, the Uyghur movement resides in Langley, uh, Virginia. You know, like yeah, they're, exactly. they're, they're literally in Virginia. <laughs> you know, remember? Like, yo, yeah, you're right, man. Remember the Uyghurs? Like uh, the the part of that, the uh, Mike's point. Like we're going by the the uh, anti-racist, like anti-Asian racist, like protests where people were out like protesting against anti-Asian racists, and, I just, yeah, and they were like, and they, they were like flicking them off and like, fuck yeah, you, fuck China, you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a bad tactic on their part. But yeah, no, I yeah, that, that look. 
Yeah. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap. Peace. Until next time, we're out. All right. Bye, y'all.